everybody, and welcome to Enjoy the View. I'm Ari, and today on our panel, we have Tessa. Hello. Alex. Hello. And today, our special guest is Liz Phillips. Uh, Liz, would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, Sure. Uh, I'm Liz. Hello. I am a software engineer, and um, I do Twitch streaming, which I think is why I'm here today. All right. Just to get things started, let's do a roundtable question. Let's start with your own experiences streaming, or if you don't have any, what are some of your favorite streams to watch? And I'm guessing we're talking coding streams. I don't know. Could be anything. Tessa, would you like to start? Well, when you put it that way, (laughs) (laughs) I guess... Yeah, my main experience with streaming was, you know, when everything shut down and meetups had to go remote. So I set up a Twitch stream for a view meetup and I ran it a couple of times. But then after that, I we somehow managed to offload it onto somebody else. So I didn't have to worry about it anymore. <laughs> In terms of watching streams, sometimes I'll maybe watch like with Wendy's Craft With Me stream on YouTube. But I don't I don't really watch streams all that often compared to like finished videos. All right, Alex. Yeah, I haven't really done very much streaming at all. I've I've streamed a couple of talks sort of as my like, here, I'm going to do a talk and here is my really rough draft of it. And I do that in the open and get a bunch of people to comment on it and give me a context on it as it's happening and ask questions and I scribble stuff down. So it's really dirty. So I, I haven't really done very much streaming in that regard. I've only ever done it like once or twice. Um, so I have setups for it, but I don't use them. I do enjoy Jason Langsdorf's uh, stream that he does uh, where he brings somebody on and learns about some technology and they pair program together. It's really fun. I really enjoy watching that one. Nice. Yeah, that reminds me, I have seen a couple of coding streams. I saw one where Ben was streaming. And then I think I messaged him like your profile picture is covering your code. So he tried to fix it. And then I saw like 10 Ben's on the screen. And then I saw one from uh, Liz that was really cool where she did this magic trick where there were like multiple Liz's on the screen at once. That's one of my finest moments. So thanks for bringing that up. Nice. (laughs) I guess uh, I'll go. So once upon a time, I would regularly stream on Twitch, um, but it was gaming. I This was, oh God, like six years ago. So there's still some highlights there on my um, Twitch channel, which uh, coincidentally is at Gloomy Loomy. <laughs> but then I had stopped streaming for about a year and I went to a coding boot camp and I thought I might try streaming that. That happened one time. And I found that it was actually really frustrating for me to to try to learn with people watching, <laughs> especially when like I just really was not getting the concept. And like, so I was already frustrated and, and like people are in the chat, like trying to tell me stuff. And I'm like, I don't understand what you're saying. <laughs> so that ended that and I haven't streamed since. But that brings us to Liz, who does it on the reg. So how did you get into it? Yeah, so I do stream. I stream. Um, Recently, it's been twice a week. It was once a week for about two years. Um, I've been streaming. It'll be three years in November. So I guess that makes it about like, that's a weird way to count it. Or it was three years this past November. So over three years. And 
I stream coding. I stream games. I've done a stream where I taught people how to knit. That was a big success because someone actually came out of it and just like knits now and they post pictures in my Discord and they're oh, like, so I cool. made fingerless mittens. And it's like, I've never made fingerless mittens. So great for you. Yeah, I do kind of like whatever. Oh, I did a cooking stream for Halloween. That was really fun. Yeah, I enjoy streaming. But my favorite streams to watch right now are probably cooking streams. And then my other favorite streamer is a game dev streamer named Dr. Mikachu. She does great streams. So big uh, shout out to her. Now, do you, okay, so as I mentioned, I get super frustrated when I'm trying to learn on stream. So are you just like a better person than I am? Or do you have particular strategies for how, like kind of quelling the frustration? <laughs> yeah. So when I was first starting, I had some concerns about it. But I also, I feel like part of the reason I wanted to stream is because, so I started streaming probably like a year and a half after I had been working as an engineer, after coding bootcamp, I got hired and I was working for like, yeah, maybe a year and a half. And I just realized that because my background is actually in theater design. I have two degrees. Um, Alex is theater, waving his arm. Yeah. <laughs> with like uh, theater, live entertainment design. Um, I started doing some graphic design and stuff like that. And my whole life I was like, oh, you know, like, the only class I'd almost ever failed was like pre-calculus and chemistry. And I am wasn't super strong in math. It's like, I'm not a technical person. I'm an art person. And then I went to coding boot camp because I was like, the internet's cool and whatever. This is a long, really long answer to your question. It's a great answer. It is yeah. a great answer. Well, thank you. So I, I just realized when I was in coding boot camp that I was like, Yes, I'm sure it comes more naturally to some people than others, but like this whole like art science or like art technology dichotomy is just like completely false. And it's a skill that you can learn just like you can learn anything else. And even though I often like don't have the answers or like I work on things very slowly on stream, um, I have a lot of partially finished projects, but like it was part of my mission to be like, I am going to learn this on the internet live because I want people to see what it's like when an engineer actually sits down to work because you almost never just sit down and code for two minutes and get something working. You code for two minutes and you get stuck. And then you read some docs and then you try something else and then that doesn't work. And so you look at different docs and you look at Stack Overflow and then you whatever. So it's always been my mission to never do the like cooking show where it's like, first you do this. And then let me open this file. And here's the finished project. You know, like, I don't want to do like the now draw the rest of the horse, you know? <laughs> so it's different. There are some people who like really write out like every single thing that they're doing, or they, there are people who have like courses kind of where they are going through, like, they just know hundred percent, like, this is what you're going to do. Cause they have a project that they've kind of already done. Those people are also really great. It's just for me, I didn't see as many people who were like, I'm just going to try to build as much of this on stream. And that's what I always tried to do. I have found that I can like keep more momentum on projects if I try to work on it off stream because I don't always feel like being on the internet, but I don't, but I do have things I want to get done. So sometimes just recently, I will start doing things off of stream, but usually I've just like picked a project 
just been like, I'm going to do this on stream. Sometimes I don't finish. Most of the time I don't finish, but I'm just going to sit there and do my best and learn it. Sorry, I don't. So, But the short answer is I don't think I'm a better person than you. <laughs> <laughs> the TLDR. <laughs> yeah, no, like for me, it was, you know, having like started as like a, a gaming streamer, I felt like this need to like continue interacting or like commentating on what I was doing. And I just, I, my brain does not work that way. If I'm coding, like I am silent. I am in my head and that's that. Do you think that it makes you a better developer having to verbalize what you're doing? I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that it makes me a better developer. I will say that it makes it very, it's a very handy skill that I've developed partially from streaming to interview because that's what they want. Yeah. An interview is to be like, what are you thinking? What are you doing? Why are you doing that? But there's also techniques for getting around that where you, you know, I tell people for interviews, like, if you're one of those people that has to sit there and think it through before you can, you know, like verbalize your thoughts, then think it through and then say, I was just thinking that I was going to do this, 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 and this. And then like, now I need to think about it some more. I think that also works. Like there's lots of different streamers and lots of different coding streamers. Like there's people who are a lot more quiet. There's lots of reasons to watch a stream and it isn't just because like this person is talking about code. I think the bigger streamers that you see are the louder personalities who are like, you know, yelling or screaming or like all over the place. And I'm more of a reserved person. So that is something to like, for me to personally combat is to be like, you know, like I'm not a big personality though. Like I'm never going to have a big stream and it's fine. People will watch or they won't, but yeah, I don't think it makes me a better developer. I do think it makes me a really good pair programmer and it does help me in interviews. Yeah. Nice. I bet it would help also like when it comes to like, if you're in a more senior position and you're helping onboard someone new, I'm, I'm still trying to imagine someone live coding and screaming at the computer. <laughs> but I'm, I'm curious if it, if it was a skill that you got better at over time, because I have always found live coding challenging, but at least I got to a point where I could do like JavaScript puzzles for interviews. But I recently had one where I had to do UI stuff live and I had, I didn't know that was coming. And like, oh my gosh, I could not do the most basic stuff to save my life. <laughs> it was so hard. I mean, yeah, that's that just doesn't sound very fair. Like, because I know every day, or I can decide, right? Like, I can decide. I have the, all the control, or I should. Like, if I have my setup correct, I have all the control in what is happening on the stream. So I'm never going to be like, oh, I didn't know I was going to do UI today. You know, like, I would also be, like, flabbergasted in that situation because I get to decide either the day of or the day before or the week before or however long like oh, I think I'm gonna do some like UI design next week or I'm I can wake up or even during the middle of the stream be like I'm not feeling it I'm gonna play games instead and I can just decide to do that so I mean I'm sure it helps like with learning how to handle some unpredictability but you still have so much more control than you do in an interview. So that makes sense. 
And you mentioned like getting your setup right. That was one thing I found really hard the two times that I had to open OBS. Like, how did you learn all the technologies that you needed if they were new to you? Or like, do you have any, have you written any resources that maybe can help other people get started if they're interested in trying streaming? So I'm not a big blogger. I think that's partially why I like doing Twitch is because the time that it takes to do it, or I, tr- I spend not very much time prepping. Like I might go through a spurt where I'm like, I'm going to try to improve one thing before my stream, every stream this month. But yeah, usually I like streaming because it's like, I'm going to do the work on the stream. I don't, I'm not going to edit a video. I'm not going to write a script. I'm not going to publish a blog post. So yeah, I'm not a big blogger. So I don't have like a blog to point to, to be like, here's my streaming setup. So yeah, I do have a Twitter thread that's more about like how to use Twitch as a viewer, but OBS and getting all those things set up, I feel like I just, I did it slowly over time. Like first I just had my video or actually I streamed without a video for a long time. It was just my screen. And then I got a video camera and then I got a nice microphone and now I have two tiny ring lights and now I have a bunch of overlays and like I have a little stream deck with 15 buttons on it. But it just, I would say like incrementally, do it a little bit at a time. It doesn't have to be perfect the first time you do it. But yeah, that Twitter thread that I meant to link and I did not. So I actually, I was just curious and I made a, a Twitter poll earlier this week where I was like, hey, people who don't use Twitch, why don't you use Twitch? And most people said they just weren't interested, which that's fine. And then uh, the other options were like, I had a bad experience. It seems like a to- isn't that place toxic? Or I don't know how. Like I would, I just don't know how to do it. So I think that I was my vote. Yeah, <laughs> and it's a really like intimidating place. Like to be totally honest, it is not user-friendly and they also lean really hard into the like video game side which I think is such a shame because there's so much other stuff that happens on Twitch but yeah they really do like lean into like Twitches for gaming so that is also an intimidating factor because the culture around gaming is pretty intimidating and toxic (laughs) yeah I know that it used to be that people would report you if you were streaming like anything other than video games. Fortunately, like that kind of went away and they started to cater to like creatives. But yeah, no, people used to threaten when I would just be like, okay, I'm done gaming for the night. Let's talk guys. And they were like, I'm going to report you. I'm like, go ahead, have fun. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I feel like that doesn't happen quite as often anymore because there are so many other categories. And sometimes people are like, oh, I'm going to mark my stream as science and technology. But so sometimes I do this where it's like today I'm designing. I'm not really coding anything. I just want to do a whole tech design document. I'm still going to put it in science and technology because it's related to (laughs) science and technology. But I, I don't know what would happen if somebody reported me for doing that. I don't think anything ever really happens because, you know, reporting on the internet doesn't do anything. (laughs) Yeah. So being that it is the internet, do you ever have experiences with, let's just say bad actors coming into your chat and how do you handle it? 
So I have been fortunate so far, knock on wood, or knock on Ikea for Micah, that most of the like bad actors or just like spam, whatever, I have people drop in that like want to increase your views and like every other word is like capital lowercase, like click here and I report it. But yeah, I don't have that much. The biggest problems I have is last year when like I I use my platform to talk about issues I think are important because I feel like it's not worth it to have a platform if I'm not going to try to educate people or create a space to share issues. And I don't really believe in apolitical spaces. Um, And I last year when BLM was kind of coming to like more prominence, I was talking a little bit about it with the protests and everything on my stream. And I had somebody who had been in my stream multiple times, like started arguing with me. Oh, no. So yeah, I, I ended up banning them. But I don't know, things like that happen more often where someone's like, why don't you just, I had someone come in actually while I was doing view stuff, which I thought was funny because I feel like view as a community is generally like a little less aggro than react sorry i don't hope so fingers crossed (laughs) but i've been doing mostly react streams and then i started doing view stuff and someone came in and was like i was following the getting started on the view website someone was just like this is not how you really write view and i was like it's on the website like this is the official view website they were like yeah i know like but that's not how how it's done. And I was like, okay, well, you either have to stop saying that or you have to give me a link to some, like, you have to tell me something about how to do it correctly, correctly, uh, air quotes. And I don't know, like, I understood where they were going because they wanted me to do, like, composition, like, component, like, composition or whatever. And they were like, this is how it's written in production or whatever. And I was like, okay, but... I just, I was just like, you have to stop. Like, we're not doing, we're not talking about this anymore. But that's mostly the problems that I have is just like people coming in and instead of being like, oh, wow, have you tried this or that? They're just like, do this. Doing it wrong. (laughs) And I've been trying as a, you know, to grow as a person and have like better boundaries to just be like, no, like, don't bring it up again. Like, we're not doing that today. But yeah, I, I luckily have not had like the worst trolls, but I also have like a pretty small stream. so. I think that makes it less likely that someone's going to come in just to cause problems because there's not very much of an audience for them. I did get follow botted one time, which is when someone sets up a bot net of accounts, I guess. I don't know if that's the right word. And they just like send them all to follow you all at once. So if you have any alerts that are usually nice so that when new people follow you, it's like, bring like Tessa just joined like joined your group and I'm like wow thanks Tessa so instead of that it just goes like bring 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 like over and over again like a hundred thousand times or ten thousand times or whatever because they just sent ten thousand bot accounts to follow you that happened to me one time but yeah not that much bad things have happened in three plus years of streaming yeah I had someone buy followers for me once it was done in a way that like it was over like a couple days so at first like I thought it was legit and then I was like no that's not legit and then it was really disappointing (laughs) yeah it definitely hurts to be like 
wow, my follower account went up so much. It's like, no, it didn't. Yeah. No. Yeah. I was, yeah. I was, I was legit mildly crushed by that. <laughs> well, Twitch has this thing that they were trying to do. That's kind of like, like an end of your roundup about like your stream stats, which I actually still haven't gotten mine. So I don't really understand what their rollout is or if you had to be above a certain amount or something. I don't know. Cause not everybody got theirs at once. But people who had been follow botted, sometimes their their stat for like you've gained this many followers, it would just be like negative because they had been like follow botted and then it got taken away, and for some reason the math like didn't add up. Well, I'm glad to hear that you didn't have that many that you haven't had that many negative experiences. I wish I could say the same. <laughs> so I'm I'm hoping that perhaps the Twitch community has um, matured a bit since I was streaming, because this was several years ago. And the fact that, you know, it was primarily gaming, as you mentioned, that is a much more toxic community than tech, though. I don't know. I feel like there are areas that are comparable. It's, it's like but. a, it's a tough competition. I feel like we have somebody on, on this episode who has experience, like getting into moderation for larger communities. Uh, I could be wrong, but if there were someone like that, I would be interested in in what they would have to say about this conversation. I will say that my moderators were my lifeline. Yeah, I nice. yeah, having done moderation for several communities now, it's been definitely interesting. I've never had to I've never been a moderator for Twitch, so I have no experience with that. So I cannot speak to that at all. But yeah, Liz, have you? Do you have moderators? Do you have a group of trusted individuals that you are like, okay, cool. If I'm busy and don't notice things, like take care of stuff. Or yeah, I have a few. I have a few moderators. Some of them I automatically trustworthy because one is my partner and one is my brother. <laughs> but I do have a few others. Like there's been a. Um, a couple people who have just been in my stream so much and they've always been super helpful and they've, you know, hung out with me and chat off and on for like a year or something. And I'm just like, Hey, do you want to be a mod? Cause you're here all the time anyway. Would you like that? And I've had two or three people say yes to that. So if they're there, they're a mod, but yeah, my, I don't know my chat. I have a lot of people, some of whom I know, like, from off of Twitch who don't even code, they just turn it on the background just to like hang out. Or as we say in the Twitch community, that lurkers are the backbone of Twitch. So yeah, I have people who do that. So that, yeah, there's not, I feel like I have the people who are like ride or die who are like there a lot are like so chill that it really helps that it's like fostering a nice chill community. So there just hasn't been that much modding that has had to be done in the channel. But yeah, I do have mods, but they haven't had to like do a lot. <laughs> yeah, my worst experience, I think by far, eh, I don't know, toss up between stalker, this one, but you know, someone posted on 4chan to raid my chat. And, you know, me being the stubborn person I am wasn't going to log off like what they clearly were trying to get me to do. So instead, I'm sitting there like frantically texting my moderators to be like, please come online because I think I only had like one in my chat at the time. I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, oh my no. God. It was terrible. Yeah. And, you know, the quality of people who come from 4chan is just 
so amazing. What does it mean to raid a chat? They just come in and post like horrible things. Oh my goodness. Yeah. No, it was it was everything I could do to keep my composure while it was happening because it, it was really honestly terrible. Like just saying things that should never be said to anyone. Very explicit things. And yeah, trying to to continue playing Dragon Age Inquisition while that was happening was not easy. Yeah, I mean, speaking of toxic comments, Liz, I'm curious what kind of environment or vibes, I guess, you try to cultivate on your channel and what motivates that. Yeah, I have a goal of to try to create like a no gatekeeping environment. So when it comes to coding, like we don't do any language bashing. We don't, as a JavaScript dev, I'm very uh, sensitive to that. No language bashing, no like, you know, it's, you just do this. It's so easy. No, yeah, no like putting anything down that people are into. Same with games, like don't come in and be like this game. Why would anyone play this game? Or like, this isn't a real game or real code coding language or any of that because I know how difficult it is to like get that out of your brain once you once you start thinking like that so yeah that's the those are the type of vibes I try to put out there just like chill and like everyone is welcome no matter what level you're at I always tell people they can ask like whatever questions they want and I'll try to answer and if I can't I usually point them towards like my Twitter or my discord and I'll be like if you join my discord and you ask me in there like I'll get an answer for you during the week or if you tweet at me I'll try to get like a code pen together for you to try to help you out if it's something that's just like really going to derail everything we're working on you know like if I'm trying to learn view and they're like what's passed by reference? And I'm like, I can help you with that, but I can't do it right right now. Yeah, I'd love to hear more about this uh, view project and how how that's been going aside from that one person who, you know, it's a shame they didn't share their contact info because like, we just want to talk, but yeah, just a little chat. Come outside for a second. My friends just want to talk to you. <laughs> We're super uh, nice. <laughs> yeah, so I was doing this. I have a project. Like I said, I start and stop stuff all the time. But there's a project that I actually did when I was in coding boot camp that I try not to rebuild things because I feel like you just end up like you don't end up learning that much or like I get bored really fast. But I really like this idea and I want it to be out there in the world. So I made like a very simple version that doesn't really work anymore. That is a geolocation-based anonymous secret sharing app. And what that means is the idea of it is that you would go onto the, the site, you do have some kind of login, but that login isn't tied to like any identifying information. And you can, based on where you are in the world, at that moment, you can like type out a little bit of text, like a tweet-sized amount of text, and you can leave it at that location. And then only people who are within like a certain radius of that location will be able to see that secret. And I just think that's a really cool idea. I've heard people be like, oh, like yik yak. And I'm like, yeah, I guess, but it's not like live chatting. It's like it's like geocaching, but for like a little 
piece of digital ephemera. So yeah, that's the idea. So I made that. I don't even think it was with React. It may have been like a templating library or something like Handlebars or whatever. So I wanted to remake that with Vue and some other like backend services like Netlify and... Oh, this is something that we can add to the notes, I guess. Like the repository, I try to make everything I build on stream open source so people can follow along or like learn things from what I worked on. So we can put a link to the repository if people are interested in uh, looking at it because it has like a plan, like some amount of technical design. I'm trying to remember what's in there right now. There's not that much. There might be like the very like outline of the beginning of a view app and maybe some other resources installed for like user management or something like that. But yeah, it's very early. And then with the new year, I decided to start working on something else. But I want to go back to that project. Hopefully I'll be like in the middle of that when this episode airs. I'm going to put that out into the universe and then I'll have to do it. (laughs) We'll give you a heads up before so that you can make it look like you like just it happened to be that way. (laughs) Nice. What led you to choose Vue for the new project and how have you been finding that experience coming from what sounds like mostly a React background? So I had done a few projects with React and like Gatsby, which Gatsby is good at some things and it's when it doesn't work, it's pretty frustrating to debug. I think anybody who's like into Gatsby will tell you that. And I made a personal site, which is actually still not published um, because I wanted to add a couple accessibility things. But like I made a personal site And I did the whole thing on stream. It's the closest I've come to like finishing a whole project. And I went to go publish it with, why did I just forget the name? I always forget the name of that thing. But anyway, I I went to go publish it. And it was supposed to be really easy. Like just connect to the repo, push the branch, and it should just build it and host it. And it'll be done. And Heroku? Maybe it was Netlify. Does Netlify do, do static site hosting? Yeah. Yep. Okay, I think it was NetLoFi. So I got it all set up and I pushed the branch and I was like, it's gonna, like it's building. And then it was like, you know, the build is broken. And I was like, why is the build broken? So I went to my my local machine and I build prod and it's broken. And I had no idea how long it had been like that. I don't know like at what point it was broken, why it doesn't build. There's not really any errors you can follow. So I did end up getting it working with help from some like Discord communities I was in and a lot like hours of just like going in and changing like one thing and seeing if that was the thing that broke it. But I was like, I just need, I need to try something new. Like I can't, I'm tired of this. I'm tired of like React Gatsby stack. I need just like a new thing that I want to try. And I had tried Vue a little at one point and It was just like, I remember how easy the setup was. Like, it was just like, add this to the, you know, like, import this with the CDN in the HTML file. And it was like, view is there. And you could just write a component, like, right there. So I was like, that seems easier. Like, I want something that's, like, a little easier. Because React is such, there's so much boilerplate. Like, create React app. I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but it's huge. Like that's a huge package and it puts so much in there and you have to set up so much to get a React app working. 
So I just, I wanted something that was like quick. It was going to be like quick to set up. Yeah, I always forget until I get like a, an interview or something that I'm told is going to be in React, how much overhead there is to just getting the base the base app running compared to like Vue or Angular. Yeah, I mean, even Angular, Angular has a nice CLI. Granted, <laughs> Angular projects, or at least back in the day, used to be huge, though I hear they're much better now. <laughs> I haven't messed with Angular that much. I haven't since Angular 2 had just been released. <laughs> I think when I started, I had thought that Angular 2 had just come out, but as I was trying to cram a class on Udemy, it became four, like in the middle of the like two days that I was looking at the class. Oh, no, they they went from two to four pretty quickly. And then after that, it just accelerated. But yeah, I, I started using the Angular CLI when it was release candidate one. So there was not a lot of documentation and that and that did not end well for my capstone project. <laughs> Eventually I got it working, but oh my God, so much frustration getting there. I definitely think being able to just drop view onto a page and being able to use it has been extremely beneficial for teaching others as well. Being able to just go, okay, cool. Let's don't worry about a build process. We're just going to drop this in, use that, and get going. We'll figure out how to make you a build process later, and then we'll transfer everything over. It'll be fine. This is very helpful. And the Vue CLI also has been lovely now that that exists, especially since uh, the version 3 with uh, came out. I do find that super nice, but at the same time, it's like, Whenever I forget something really like foundational, something that you'd have to do like early on in your view journey, and then I look at the docs and it's like trying to decipher if something is referring to the CDN import or if it's referring to the CLI app. Like at least for me, that's really confusing. I'm not sure if that's the case for you, no, Liz. Yeah. Ari is nodding. I, I, I've definitely been there. <laughs> I'm like, wait, is this? Uh... <laughs> I remember. Like most of the getting started or maybe all of it, I think there's like one part at the end. The last time I was looking at the the like getting started docs tells you like how to get set up for like, like a server-side rendering site instead of like loading it into the front end and, and doing it there. Yeah, so I do remember feeling like, wait, how, this is nice, but how do I do it the other way, you know? <laughs> Yeah, another thing that I'm curious about is I feel like I remember reading that one one of the things that differentiates Vue from a project like React is that there's a lot of like built-in or like officially part of the core group of Vue technologies like the the router and the store and like the SSR options and other stuff. I'm not sure what the one-to-one -one mapping is like with React, but I'm curious how that experience has been for you if you've been trying out any of those things or plan out to try out any of those things like routing and stuff is that what you said mm -hmm. yeah i mean like the project that i gonna get back to is gonna have to have it's probably gonna use some amount of routing because there's like different views and like pages you're gonna go to so i have not used any of it yet but i mean react routing is kind of a mess so <laughs> um <laughs> 
Like there's, there's like two main libraries that people use. They're both very opinionated and I don't know. I find it to be confusing every time I have to go in and work on routing. It's just like very overwhelming. So I'm really interested to see like how, how different view is or how similar it is. I don't know. I bet I haven't touched it at all. So I don't feel like I have a like opinion on it. I think it's easy to use, but my previous experience with routing was mostly like Angular 1.5, which that was a mess. <laughs> so I think it's confusing to use, but that's because I almost never do routing. So every time I have to do like one ticket in routing, it's like a foreign land it. again. Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah, yeah, I barely touched routing like in my last job, but I've since we're actually like building a new app. Um, at my current job, I've had to touch it a lot more. I mean, yeah, I would say routing in general is always kind of intimidating at first. But I would say that once you master like the the basic concepts, it's not too bad. And then you can kind of expand and do more advanced features as you go. You know, it's a very view approach. <laughs> yeah, I think the last time I had to do some routing, I was giving a talk on Nux. So I didn't actually have to do any routing because it's very Rails-esque and where you just give it a file name and then it'll create the routes for you. But I, I feel like some of the some of the talks I've heard Alex give that where he'll like touch on routing, I'm like, oh, I have no idea what that's about. That sounds very hard. Yeah, I, I having come from a background of, I, I started off doing more like backend type stuff. And so the number of times that I've had to make like redirect files and like modify Apache configs and stuff, uh, which is a web server, the routing in view is so much simpler than any of that, that it just, it is a breath of fresh air compared to attempting to do stuff on the server. So I'm, I'm all for it. I, I like routing. I've definitely had to do some weird things with routing. And you can. So it's very powerful if you want to get into the like bones of it. But yeah, I think overall, I find it to be pretty straightforward to set up. I'm also really interested to do, like I'll need a form, like at least one form, if not a couple forms for my, my app. So I'm really interested to see forms because I also think form libraries in React are a mess. So I feel like it, there's a chance that there's going to be a lot of angry React people like in my Twitter mentions when this episode <laughs> comes out. Although React people probably don't listen. Yeah, to this I don't think they listen to the podcast. Good. Maybe yeah. that's how we'll market the episode. Hey, oh. React people. <laughs> Come at Gloomy Loomy. <laughs> yeah, this is neither here nor there, but I mean, this is kind of reminding me like, Alex, I need to ask you, well, I can explain how I got to this connection. I was, you were talking about routing and ease of use. And I was like, I wonder how this compares to your experience with like audio engineering. And then I was like, I need to remember to ask Alex to show me over under cable wrapping because I've never been able to get the hang of it. I love over under cable wrapping theater kids unite. Yay. Yeah. I did theater professionally for 15 years. So that is, and then I, I jump ship. So. Yeah, of course. Uh, I was curious how your background in uh, theater and production has informed your experiences in tech and streaming. Yeah. So one is 
communication. So just theater is very collaborative. And to get things done, you have to talk to people. You have to talk to people you don't like. You have to talk to people you do like. You have to like make deals with people to try to like figure out how to get enough money to get the cool stuff you want. And like you have to talk to vent. I don't know. You have to talk to tons of people in theater and be able to communicate like what you want from very far away or things you can't touch or anything like that. So I feel like that helps me as a collaborator, like in, in coding, because that's one thing that I feel like gets really undersold is like how much being a good communicator makes you an effective engineer and a design background. So for undergrad, like I went to art school and I had to take color theory and composition and 2D and 3D design. And I mean, like art history, like you name it, I took it for my undergrad degree. So that's another thing that I feel like engineers, it's really easy for the types of people that get drawn to engineering, like stereotypically, just like don't have a lot of arts education. I'm talking very generally, but like the stereotypical engineer doesn't have an arts background. And I see like little like, you know, like bickering, like arguments or like very like egocentric uh, disagreements that happen between designers and engineers sometimes when, you know, like the designer is like, this engineer doesn't understand like how important my design is. They don't understand, like when a designer makes something, everything that's on that page is there for a reason. Everything that's in that document, the color of it, the size of it, roundness of the buttons, the lack of roundness of the buttons, the drop shadows, like everything was tweaked and like, like obsessed over for, you know, however long to come up with this design. And there's a reason for it. And then the engineer is like, it's good enough. You know, like I I have X number of things to do. Like I got it close enough. The color is close enough. The spacing is close enough. Like, don't you understand how long it takes to do this? you know, or how difficult it is, or like how much I'm going to have to rebuild to make that work. And it's like both things are valid, but they need to come into balance. So like coming to a designer's work as an engineer being like, talk to me about like how important this is, or like, is this close enough? Instead of just assuming like, wow, you're being really sensitive about like two pixels. And it's like, no, like, I want to be respectful to you. Like, let me let you know, like to do this, I'm going to have to go in and rebuild the whole button library so that we can have like three different sizes as opposed to the two that we already had. Is it important enough to you that it's going to be like another three days of work? Are you going to use this button in the future? Can we use a button we already had? You know, the conversations like that have like really helped me also just like coming to the designers, having some idea, having done visual design work of how much work went into that and like how, why they must've decided things have to look a certain way is just like really helpful. Yeah. I feel like design work and development work is very similar in that both are like in the arena of problem solving, but a lot of times design isn't seen that way from the outside. Like people just think of it as making things look pretty, which isn't really the purpose of design. Yeah. And it's also interesting, like your comments on art history, because I only had to take a couple of like required base level art history classes. And I feel like even in those, which were mostly like memorizing paintings and dates, we had more discussion of like the impact that the things that you make can have on the world and the messages that they send. 
unlike the ethics and morals of it than I have day to day in tech. Yeah, like you can look at companies like, I mean, the only one that's coming to mind currently is just like Apple. Like Apple, part of the reason Apple is like the monolith that it is, is because of the design of the products and the cohesiveness of their design across their website and their operating system and their devices. And like, it can be really powerful and really important, but so it's just really important to come to something with that, that like idea of that the designer did all of this for a reason. Like there's, there's probably not something on here that was just thrown in. Like it's never, it's probably not, not true. Yeah, that's a good point. And kind of like same idea, different approach. I also really appreciate the kind of chaotic neutrality of Samsung where they're just like, we're going to try a bunch of different things. Maybe one of them will be popular, maybe not, but it seems fun. And I, I really like that. Yeah, like every Samsung device like looks different. Yeah, they're like, what if it folded this way? Okay, the other way, like it's a Twitter meme. Would a phone fold this way or that way? I don't know. Anyway. How would a phone wear a shoe? (laughs) (laughs) They actually, so for the Galaxy uh, Buds, I forgot what it's called. The ones that don't like completely block your ear canal. They actually did make these little silicone socks that go over the tips if it doesn't have a good fit. I'll link to a video (laughs) where you can see them in the show notes. I missed that one. Now, if people want to find you on the internet, where can they find you, Liz? So my Twitter is at LizCodes, L-I-Z-C-O-D-E-S. And my Twitch channel is uh, twitch.tv forward slash illuminated space. Just the two words, illuminated and space. All right. Let's move on to picks. Who's going to go first? Tessa. No, I touched my nose first. Oh, I don't play that game, so. <laughs> Unless we're streaming on Twitch. Okay, I think I think this one has been picked before, but I finally played or started playing Baba Is You. I don't know that I enjoy it, but it is interesting to, to try and figure out the puzzle. I feel like I don't know if I enjoy it because it kind of feels like I'm doing work. Like, it kind of feels like I'm coding but I'm supposed to be playing a game. But yeah, it's it's interesting to play around with like the different rules and try to figure out a way to solve a problem. Yeah, I think I think the reason I'm I'm ambivalent is because as I'm saying it out loud, I'm realizing it reminds me of like algorithms interviews where you just have to find the brute force solution and then you think about like, well, could I have done that in like a nicer way? <laughs> but uh that's uh the game I've been playing. Yep. I think I had another pick, but it, it uh, went out of my mind because I wasn't expecting to go first. So that's that's my pick for the week. Sounded like a ringing endorsement. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Alex. So the my pick this week it's a it's it's a slight deviation from my picks of the past. The recently ras- the Raspberry Pi Foundation has released a new Raspberry Pi called the Raspberry Pi Pico. And it is a $4 microcontroller board. And it looks super cool. It's very bare bones. And it's meant for like 
making electronics projects and stuff like that. And that is my pick for this week because it sounds really cool and I really, really want one. Mm, that's super awesome. Hint, hint. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's what I heard. And I, hopefully I, this will be going out close to my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> I also remembered my other pick that reminded me, even though it has nothing to do with Alex's pick. It's this book called Ludicues. I haven't read through all of it, but I thought it was interesting. It reminded me of what Liz mentioned about boundaries. Because the idea is that somebody is asking you a question, but they're not actually asking you a question. Like, you know, when you're having a conversation with somebody and you're annoyed at something that they said, but they didn't actually say it. And so the idea is, what if you could put it into a question? Would you find it acceptable or not? And that's how you can like kind of feel out what your boundaries are if you're not sure. I'm going to pretend I understood that. (laughs) (laughs) I guess I'll just have to read the book. Which um, we all know I won't. All right. Liz, do you have any picks for us? Yeah, I put a lot of picks, but I don't have to do all of them. You can do all of them if you want. Okay. I was going to shout out ADHD Alien and ADHD Comics, which I found through Twitter for pushing me to try to get an ADHD evaluation this year because I'm pretty sure I'm undiagnosed ADHD. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know if anyone is familiar with those. Yes, as someone who was diagnosed at age nine. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Similarly, I keep on getting them and sending them to my wife and being like, hey, look at this one. And she's like, I don't understand. I'm like, I know. Because I see all of them and I'm like, oh, I totally get it. I didn't realize there were people who didn't get it. That's what, okay, that's what happened to me. I was on a team at a previous job where we were looking at one and it was like there were four of us or five of us and four of us were like, oh yeah, like I identify with that. But I just figured like most people do. It's just like, if you have ADHD, it must be like, you know, to a, a an extent I don't understand. And then one person on our team was like, I don't identify with that at all. And the two of us that were like not diagnosed ADHD were like, are, are, are we ADHD? <laughs> so yeah, it just started me on a journey. Nice. Another pick that I had was just knitting in general, possibly related to ADHD, but I found if I knit while I'm watching like videos or in meetings for work that I actually focus on the meeting. So I love knitting and I added a link in there that was like to some learn to knit kits. And for Christmas, I got a, um, a Kobo, which is like a Kindle, but it's not Amazon. And it's actually really nice. And I wanted to shout that out because I don't know if people know that there's like really nice e-ink readers that aren't Kindles. This one, I got it for Christmas, like I said, and I think I've only charged it once. So it's really nice. And it's like water resistant. So because I like reading like in the bath. (laughs) I don't know (laughs) if that is appropriate for the podcast, but it's it's fine. I'm like, I'm just flashing back to an episode where I was talking about we had somebody talking about reading a book in a stream or something like a river stream. And, and I thought he was saying that he was putting a book in a Ziploc bag. And I was really stressing out about like, how would you turn the pages? <laughs> awesome. It's Chris, right? Yeah. 
But Cobalt also has a really nice price match guarantee, which I use all the time. It's great. Mm, yeah. I'm really digging that thing. Another one. I feel like I'm just going on and on about <laughs> random things. Okay, so I threw on here this book that I've been reading a little bit because I'm trying to learn more about security stuff. And this book was recommended called TCPIP Illustrated, which is a thousand pages just about how the internet works, like literally how stuff gets from one place to another over the internet. And I'm not a big textbook or like nonfiction reading person, but with my knitting trick, I've been like trying to read a little bit. <laughs> one it. weird trick. One try this one weird trick to read. I've never thought about trying to read while knitting because, yeah, in high school, the only way I could pay attention to class was if I was knitting. But yeah, I'd have to try that. Yeah, um, highly recommended. But yeah, the book is like considered like the standard kind of for learning about TCPIP, which is like the protocol that we transmit stuff over the internet mostly. So, yeah, that book. I mean, you can't beat it, really. And then my last pick was for Queen's Majesty Hot Sauce, which I just ordered like a sampler pack of. I really like spicy food, and I was like, 2021 is the year I'm going to get into hot sauce. So I asked a Twitter's resident hot sauce expert, and she gave me some suggestions. Is it Cher? And that was but I could guess who it was. Yeah, it was Cher. <laughs> it was Cher. <laughs> of course it was Cher. <laughs> Yeah, so it's really, really tasty. My favorite one is one that is red habanero and black coffee. Whoa. And there's like three of them in there, but that one is like every time I'm like, which one of these three do I want to put on my food? I keep just going for that one and I'm going to run out soon. So yeah, it's very good. Nice. I feel like between your your hot sauce and Alex's salt, like we need to start requiring guests to bring on a condiment so we could just have the best tasting <laughs> food. <laughs> Oh, speaking of Alex's salt, I did end up ordering some sampler packs and I will vouch for it. So I'm not technically picking it because I don't want to have to drop it in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we have like really strict formatting rules now that like I'm just like fewer picks are better. <laughs> well, someone's salty. What? <laughs> I'm lazy. ADHD, come on. And honestly, I have really severe ADHD. <laughs> I'm on max dose of meds and it's still not quite working. So, oh no. But that's neither here nor there. It means it's my turn. So, I'm going to pick a stand up special by a comedian whom I have picked uh, one of her specials before. It is <laughs> Hannah Gatsby's Nanette. I will say that this one is, is not your typical stand up special and that there are moments in it that are, are, are not funny, but in, a, in the best way. I laughed and I cried. We'll put it that way. <laughs> and also, since we were talking about art history, there's a fair amount of art history involved in it as well. Oh, so good. <laughs> yeah, so Hannah Gatsby's Nanette, which you can find on Netflix. And I believe that with that, that means that is all for this week. And until next time, enjoy the view. Enjoy the view.